And three, two, one, we're live. Bro, we fucking did it. We, we <laughs> fucking got it out, man. It's welcome it's out. to the world of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I think as of now we have eight hundred and three or eight eight hundred and two total plays. Yeah, and uh, it's the first episode that ha- I mean, episode zero that has the most views right now, which is at like six hundred total plays. I mean, I feel like it's a blessing and a curse that we don't get more in-depth analytics because then we would start getting super mindfucked that oh fuck, you only listen to the first five minutes. But yeah, I man. guess it's better. I feel like I'm slowly starting to understand which podcast player and which platform gives you more analytics than others because iTunes goes yeah. super in-depth, but. Nobody's fucking played it on iTunes except for like five people. Everybody's on mm-hmm. Anchor, which is both a blessing yeah. and a curse. No, I feel like the listeners who we have from Anchor, hello all of you. Uh, <laughs> they are mostly new listeners in the sense that we plastered, you know, all of this on our personal uh, social media channels, and we mm. obviously got some traction because of that. And those are all, you know, friends and people who know us, uh, you know, personally. But uh, mm. because Anchor is a fairly new app, and you know most people don't even listen to podcasts, so I would assume that most of the views that we're getting through Anchor are new listeners. I certainly hope so. And the problem with Anchor is that they don't show how many people are subscribed to the podcast, unlike Spotify mm. and iTunes, which is stupid. Like they need to work on that. But man, dude. The number eight hundred just like <laughs> keeps blowing my mind. Welcome, welcome all of you to Substation. Yeah, <laughs> we hope you enjoy listening to our bullshit. Yeah, but for the listener, uh, throughout this year of making this podcast, the number we came up for how many people are going to listen to this podcast was always five. If we get five <laughs> listeners, okay, that means we're going somewhere because we knew, okay, five like, or like you know, and then I would tell Kota like, oh man, what if we get a hundred viewers and then we would both like gush for like two minutes? Oh fuck, man, yeah, hundred people is, is enough to like care about us, and you know, we'll go to like ten episodes and stuff. But I guess this is the power of like social media and just the internet, and also it slowly is showing what are the kind of analytics you get in podcast compared to youtube or instagram or something like that because mm. dude any number which is you know more than 100 on instagram or on youtube is just like it's very easy to make that but it's not the same for podcasts good on us man <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we're finally out there and it's good i'm i'm just glad this this worked out totally yeah oh fuck we were supposed to do the beer Oh man, do you want me to check? check I have check, to go check. down and shit. Go go go, bro! Even wait, then I'll also get out mine. Okay, wait, hold on, then. Hmm. Five minutes later. I'm gonna open the can. Cheers, bro! Cheers, man! <laughs> Cheers to substations. Congrats. Congrats to becoming podcasters. Yeah, bro. Anyway, roll the intro. You beautiful bastards! Hope you've had a fantastic day. What? Let's just jump into it. Hey guys! Hey, what is up, guys? And Hello, internet. Hey, how's it going, friends? Hello, internet. What's up, guys? It's hey, Luke. brother. Good morning, John. Good morning, hey. It's Tuesday. What's up, everybody? Hey, how's it going? Let's get started. If you want to find the videos we talk about, all their links will be in the show notes. Um, we will also be compiling all the videos we talk about on this episode into a playlist that you can find on our YouTube channel, which is finally up right now. By the way. 
you will also know if a video is added into the show notes if you hear this pop sound in this episode you can also find all the videos on our website which is kota.design/podcast that is k o t a.design/podcast to view all the videos subscribe to our youtube channel to get regular updates about the substation podcast and do follow us on instagram at substation the substation podcast yeah cool i think we should start with the first one yeah hey guys um future kota here editing this podcast so we recorded this episode last thursday the day before the mass shooting that occurred in new zealand um viraj and i started discussing how we could talk about this horrific event in our next episode as it did have a lot of connections towards youtube and live streaming and social media and like the internet as a whole we wanted to talk about how terrorism is no longer a private thing anymore or at least a thing that just shows up on our tv networks or whatever terrorists like the asshole that killed those innocent people want a spectacle they want us to spread the information his information to as many people as possible he live streamed the entire event and asked his viewers to like subscribe to a famous youtuber cuz he knew that this event and his message would spread to more people that way and by us talking about this event in the weird youtube way we do his manifesto or ideology or whatever is just going to spread that much more and so we decided to not talk and discuss this horrific incident but just address the fact that we are not going to spread this social media tactics and ideologies and beliefs he would have wanted us to talk shit about him show hatred towards faktas like him because in his world showing hatred makes hate spread and more hate just means there will be more people like him people who lean into an ideology so hard that violence and crime no longer looks like a consequence but like can be used like a tool so we don't want to share hate we want to share love instead and i know that sounds like bullshit especially in this context cuz hugs and thoughts and prayers doesn't do shit so instead i'm going to congratulate all the people who tried to stop the attack or help the victims in any way i'm going to add all of the articles in the show notes and honestly man just going to salute all of those guys they were the true heroes in the story and we hope these people's message spreads further than the man who wants to spread hate and to the guy who created all the suffering and violence in new zealand i'm just gonna calmly and generously and with all the love in my heart just send you a montage of fuck yous to you cuz bro you truly deserve it on behalf of the internet and the loving people in this world fuck you yeah cool i think we should start with the first one yeah the verge is better words okay le- let me de- let me just back up even mm. more and like give like a very uh, generalized explanation of what better worlds was supposed to be mm. so better worlds was sort of uh, introduced by nilay patel who's i think the editor in chief of the verge mm. and he basically uh, when they were releasing like the trailers and everything of uh, better worlds which is supposed to be like a a series of uh, articles and vid- animated videos and podcasts about how most of technology and tech news today 
and science is all very morbid and sort of pessimistic about the future in the sense that you know there's stuff like global warming the oceans are plastic and industrialization is killing everything and ecosystems are dying and animals are getting extinct all because of technology and progress so what the verge attempted to do was to create this series that had you know different kinds of content in it audio video writing as well which is supposed to basically uh, be like a fictional series of stories that sort of look at the future of technology and planet earth in a more optimistic <laughs> a uh, happier future but after watching all of them what is the recurring theme for me at least was they all still start with the premise that the earth is trash i think the first one which came out on their youtube channel was well, what was it called uh, a theory of flight theory of flight and like yeah. you said i don't think they showed the future that great yeah which was which was damn disappointing because i wanted to see what was the verge's take on a good looking future but i, I mean like- I, i would say the optimistic part of this episode was that you know there's this selfless girl called kalila and she's basically designing open source rockets because carlinda and her team are building an open source rocket to go to europa everyone wants to go there there are domes there filled with plants most of them extinct on earth There are no days hot enough to kill you and the air is always safe to breathe. All of the communities that have been established on Europa obviously controlled by the top 1% and you have to buy like a exorbitantly expensive ticket and you go on one of those fancy, you know, SpaceX level rockets. Mm. So for the normal poor people of whatever your ethereal flight is happening in they have to basically build their own rockets. So the protagonist mm. is building these open source rockets to get people off of earth which in itself is a very uh, dark pessimistic thing because you know they've sort of rendered earth to be completely dark desolate it's just like scrap metal everywhere i mean the entire palette of how they've portrayed earth is this very like metallic rusty amber dark amber gloomy color <laughs> and you know then they go to a shot of europa and it's all bright and glassy and there's puddles of water that are not disgusting so <laughs> yeah yeah i think there was how many how many videos were there so there are five episodes of better worlds that are in video form so there's a theory of flight a model dog saint juju a sun will always sing and overlay so a theory of flight is the one we just spoke about a model dog i would say is the most uh, happiest out of all of yeah, the episodes yeah i i really like the model they, dog because they they hit the nail on the head by you know showing how fu- the future and technology and advancements in machine learning and ai can i don't know it was still kind of fucked up by the end because it's too ai so the story of um, a model dog is basically that there are these two employees of what seems like a artificial intelligence company and they have been tasked with creating an ai of a dog new assignment from the boss we're building a robot dog should i even ask why his dad's dog is getting old and he doesn't want his dad to get lonely when the dog dies so he wants us to create an immortal dog machine to replace his father's beloved pet after its eventual death yep because uh, so this dog belongs to a very old i think the boss and he's about to die and the yeah. dog is also about to die so they want to extend the life of the dog so they are tasked with creating an ai of the dog which is going to replicate the real dog but then what ends up happening is that the owner dies and now the dog that is an ai driven dog 
is now lonely so then they create an ai based on the memories of the real dog that have been put into the artificial intelligent dog so the memories based on the memories of the real dog in the artificial intelligence dog are what create the artificially intelligent owner wow that was tough to say <laughs> i felt like i was rapping how did you know it just made sense it just made sense to build a robot of our boss's dad from his dog's memories not just any robot the best possible version of him the one that his dog remembered that's the happiest dog i've ever seen so <laughs> finally in the end there are these two ais that are completely disconnected with their uh, you know human or real counterparts but they are finally in love and happy yeah and again the verge has you know hired like amazing animators and creative directors everything looks amazing that much i have to give them and every one of the episodes has such a distinctive style and aesthetic yeah i will that that was the most interesting part of the better worlds in terms of how they portrayed it was their visual style and personality was different for every single episode like no episode yeah. looked the same yeah uh, which was great like i yeah. loved watching all of them it was it was a joy to watch definitely no the one i really liked was a sun will always sing I mean it's not that much of a better story as a better world or a happy ending but I really really like the story and it was very interesting to I mean so for the listeners just to summarize it it's about a love story between a AI cyborg and a human who somehow have a baby and it's I think the cyborg is then tasked with repopulating another world that he has been assigned to go to and repopulate yeah. so it seemed like at the end of it there were a bunch of capsules that had a bunch of babies right so i don't know i think the reason that they don't they see they animated so 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 well and each one has such a, a distinctive animation style that they couldn't have made these long form at all especially yeah. because they're putting them up on youtube and uh, <laughs> yeah. then i don't really see them you know spending huge amount of resources and time to create you know these 20 minute long stories and i feel like this is the perfect length both in terms of for them in the sense of production because what they aim to do was so um so like it's a, it's a big project like they they're releasing basically what you could call like a series of short stories in the form of like a tv show almost yeah and each episode is you know completed but also again in this episode we see this theme that for some reason earth is not a desirable place to reproduce or to grow up anymore and then this person has this, this cyborg has gone to some other planet and you know uh, is going to continue human life there i i i feel like that is <laughs> like a significant theme when it comes to optimism in this new age of hectic advancements in science and technology in within our reality we always view optimism in this realm of life as leaving earth humans are going to leave earth and we're going to colonize other planets and you know live that life we're going to become an interplanetary species basically exactly what elon musk is trying to promote with spacex and everything but a, a, a lot of scientists and like neil degrasse tyson also who's like the celebrity scientist physicist has said that re like colonizing another planet entirely is going to cost us so much so much like resources and um, 
capital that it just makes more sense for us to spend all of those resources and effort into fixing planet earth rather than you know going to multiple planets i don't know how i honestly feel about this but it seems a little counterintuitive i don't know maybe 10 20 30 50 years down the line there's like a energy uh, i don't know there's some <laughs> we 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 discover like perpetual energy machines and we have free energy forever make make that make that a thousand years make not, that a thousand yeah <laughs> but i feel like that was what made me so disappointed with better worlds in a weird way that that was the disappointing part of better worlds was that they were either showcasing a future where humans leave planet earth or they were showing pockets of hope in a dystopian mm. earth but never showed what could a, a a utopian earth look like that yeah, was what yeah. was so disappointing like, uh, one one idea that uh, i think both of us have spoken about in the past also hmm. is just to imagine a world where we have solved the problem of energy in the sense like imagine a world where energy is free yeah you don't have to pay for energy that is uh, like a story that okay so like an example of this would be let's say 50 years down the line there's a breakthrough in solar panel technology hmm and uh, you know solar panels reach like a next level efficiency where they are able to harness so much energy that energy becomes so cheap that it basically becomes free i think that would be such a radical change in all society if energy is free and that is something that you, you know because then <laughs> everything is free bro like all of the things we do so many industries so many jobs every the whole fucking world will change yeah. so that is that is an idea that i would love to have seen them explore and i don't think i mean the first big problem which i had was that you know they didn't show what what could happen with the the foreseeable future with how technology is moving asa in solar panels or in ai how could that yeah. change yeah. like earth man like how could that actually change how we look at earth that yeah. was one big problem and the other big problem was i'm glad that they did it in a story yeah. based plat i mean medium like all the better world episodes were all story based but yeah, i was like, like man it was like yeah. a, kind of like a sci-fi fiction narrative yeah it was a sci-fi narrative right but the big problem i had was the verge is so good at explaining things and so good mm. at you know dissecting big problems and narrowing it down to a really crisp yeah. version of so that people can understand things right and they didn't do that with this yeah they didn't do that and see the thing is for the listener i uh, viraj and i throughout college years as we constantly keep saying this we <laughs> we used to talk about how could the world be a better place on planet earth with the advent of solar technology yeah. and the battery technology and how AI could change the way things are going, and a, a very controversial thing is also urbanization, where every single human mm. just moves to a city so that the, the rest of the fucking land on Earth is just let alone to just do what it does. Yeah. So there were two more episodes within the Better World series on YouTube. Hmm. One was Saint Juju, which is I think based uh, in the world that they have created this uh, mushroom bacteria that is able to uh, digest trash. Hmm. I think and then the other one that I so we leave Saint Juju uh, in this episode the other one was called Overlay yeah, which is Overlay another one nice. that yeah that that is one that I would put in the same league as a model dog which uh, 
in which uh, the verge is talking about artificial intelligence and simulation and i think they really nailed their conceptual idea about creating like science fictional science fiction stories that could exhibit a future of earth as a better world hmm. so in yeah. overlay it's basically uh, the the episode starts off and there's like it's kind of like a uh, these two a son and a father are breaking out of some sort of a prison and then mm. it sort of all uh, melts away and it turns out that uh, the father is on his deathbed so the son has decided that he would like to experience time with his father but he can't do it because his father is sick so his father has basically been plugged into this uh, sort of vr simulation type game mm. and so the son and the father are able to communicate and talk but uh, i don't think the father knows that he is in a simulation he just thinks that you know it's a memory that he's reliving with his child which is still kind of a little fucked up but it's better than you know watching your father die without being able to communicate with him at all mm-hmm. but at the same time you're sort of creating this sort of fictional reality in which oh you know you and your father are like breaking out and your father is in sick so he's able to run around and you you, you both of you are like cooperating and stuff so I don't know. It was a good. I, I feel like it was a good idea, but again, it was. I th- I feel like it's very hard for them and for most people to think about the future of technology without being a little bit morbid. Like mm. there, there's always this dark aspect of technology, which is really unavoidable. Maybe it's just that we are a little more primitive, so for us, you know, these kind of white lies don't really sit too well with us. So, no, but I don't know. it begs me to ask the question to you. do you think in all of these episodes it was a better world ah uh, that's tough man i don't know i don't think so my answer is no i don't want to live in any of these worlds honestly <laughs> i i don't want to live in any of these worlds yeah me too i Th- think these that's are not... the best way that i could put it yeah i think that's a good way to put it cuz yeah. these are not really the worlds i strive to make this world into yeah, if that makes yeah. any sense yeah yeah i hope these are not the worlds that uh, i mean the, no the, the, i mean there are certain ideas with for example interplanetary becoming an interplanetary species that are still optimistic course. and they still you know it's not a future where we have abandoned earth like the whole idea of mining for resources and creating um like mining for fuels on the moon Mm. or mining for water on the moon or you know using up using the planets around us for like raw materials and harvesting raw materials that is a better world mm-hmm. that i think you know it's not like yeah. i mean of course the, the 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 laborers who will be tasked with you know going to these other planets or hopefully we're able to automate it to an extent that it's just robots and they're just doing this shit regardless of human interaction yeah. but that is an idea that could be a better world where you know we're not mining the earth for resources we're mining other planets for research which is still i don't know i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> i'm just imagining like the moon become a massive like mine and you know there's just like artificial craters on the moon and shit mm. it would be weird also yeah uh, um just just this is obvious there's no climate change like yeah or <laughs> there, we reverse no the effects change. of climate change and, and we've solved this whole plastic issue as as like... we speak about this it's raining in march in delhi right now which is like the most bizarre <laughs> thing i've ever seen yeah <laughs> we're like wearing yeah, sweaters in march man what the man fuck? i'm sweating here man i'm sweating <laughs> so hard in bangalore <laughs> this fan doesn't work okay so for the listeners the time between 
episode three and this episode, which is episode four, has been around three months, and we definitely need to talk about what happened in the whole technology area, which is folding phones. <laughs> is is the best way I can. Uh, and and also, uh, Galaxy, the new Galaxy series of products. Yeah. So uh, let me see if I can weave all of the news into a story. By the way, all of the things that we're talking about are mostly covered by The Verge, which is the same channel and media company that we talked about in Better Worlds. I will also add a few videos by MKBHD and Austin Evans in the show notes and a little bit of Unbox Therapy as well. All the links will be in the show notes. Okay, so where do we start? Um, So, two years back, we saw a Xiaomi phone, which was basically bezel-less. And mm. that basically shook the world in terms of, holy shit, this technology actually might be possible for us to make a truly bezel-less phone. Uh, you're talking about the Mi Mix. The first yeah, Mi the Mix. Xiaomi Mi Mix, yes. Man, that, that was such a beautiful phone when so it came out. That was so beautiful. So but good. also, it was designed in ca- collaboration with uh, Xiaomi and Philip Stark. Just like a random, awesome designer <laughs> fact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that. And from the technical aspect, all of the news and all of the phones that you're seeing today and all of the new features of a truly bezel-less phone and a notch and a notch-less phones and all of that is possible just because of the OLED screens, which is organic light-emitting diodes. So OLED screens are very popular in not just phones, but all TVs as well because they are... Uh, they are not backlit, so they're true colors. That's one reason. I would say. I would say. Uh, also, OLED just seems like a more elegant solution to creating a display. No, it seems and why, more efficient. So the reason why it's a truly elegant solution is because you don't need a backlight. Hmm, to, yeah. Uh, so you basically the whole inky black, true black thing that you know whenever you're displaying like a true black on the screen, those. Uh, LEDs are basically not lit. So it's like the darkest black that is possible for the screen to display. Exactly. And it's also extremely energy efficient. Yeah. I mean, the second reason why OLED technology is so cool is you can, uh, you don't need to confine yourself within a square dimension, which also means that you can make three sides out of four of an OLED screen totally frameless. So Samsung is the one who makes all of these OLED screens. So Samsung showed a concept OLED screen, I think three years ago, where the OLED screen was basically a piece of paper. It literally was a piece of paper. Yeah, extremely flexible. And the only non-flexible part of it was the display drivers and basically the place where it's connecting to power and stuff. Yeah, and that was only on one side of the screen. So as time went by, you then saw the Samsung Galaxy S8, which was that infinity display. Which still had a very minimal but very prominent top and bottom bezel. Yeah, but the side bezels were just like unreal. Like there was literally no side bezel. It literally curved around the display. I'm sure most of you all have seen the ads of Samsung. Then what happened was Apple came along and then made the iPhone X which was their Hmm. first phone into the OLED technology. And it's because of the OLED technology that they could make the iPhone X because they could cut out a notch, which was, I would honestly say, the first notch 
phone? Mm, no, I, the essential phone. Essential phone was there, but then yeah. But that was an LCD phone. And one thing to note: so if you look at his phone screen, at least two years back, there were two main components in the front of the screen apart from the display. One was a fingerprint sensor, and one was the selfie cameras. Now, Apple was planning on doing an under-the-screen uh, fingerprint sensor. but that didn't work out so then they started making a facial recognition system which is now face id which is what made them not so big on the iphone 10 mm. and as time went by all other companies were just like let's just move the fingerprint sensor to the back so all the pixel phones the oneplus phones mostly had it at the back so then it was a war in all smartphones to try to reduce the notch as much as possible and to increase the screen to body ratio Now what also slowly started to happen was I think Xiaomi was the first one to do this they put the fingerprint sensor behind the bloody screen so you could read your fingerprint through the screen and Xiaomi was the first one to do this with their technology then it slowly moved to OnePlus and Oppo and Huawei and then the big problem was how to remove the camera the notch was mainly there to showcase the front facing camera um there was a bunch of you know sliding cameras and things like that absolutely horrible designs according yeah. to me like yeah yeah the, the one yeah. with the pop out the i think that was the vivo nex which mm-hmm. had just one small little camera that would pop out and i'm like oh my god that's just waiting to break yeah i really like the Xiaomi concept phone though yeah that was amazing where the sliding it wasn't a motorized sliding mechanism but you yeah, would physically yeah, yeah. slide it that was really nice so that leads us to today which was you have all of these phones which have gone through these two years of all of them changing from a rectangular body to a notched body and all of them trying to figure out where do we put this front facing camera and where do we put this fingerprint sensor and once you do figure this out what next like how do we differentiate ourselves from the rest of the companies and things like that so then enter folding phones so at in november samsung unveiled in the weirdest way possible in their event called the infinity flex display they dimmed the room and they showed their concept of a folding phone and everybody is like why are you making the room dark it was cuz that they it was a prototype so they didn't want to showcase the hardware and things like that and people were like why are you guys making a folding phone nobody wants a folding phone <laughs> sammy sammy was like what else do we do th- with this technology bro yeah <laughs> no and i i shouldn't say nobody wants a folding phone it's folding phones has always been the very futuristic technology that you know humans have always been like oh this is going to happen in yeah. 2050 or 2020 and things like that in like movies like her and even in i think westworld they have these really crazy futuristic folding tablet yeah. type devices and i guess it's one of those concepts from science fiction that reality wants to like oh you know this maybe kind of makes sense so we yeah. should try it out because we have the technology to do it and also like holographic displays like that you see yeah, every, yeah, yeah, everywhere yeah. but whatever so this was in november um so two weeks later google said that they are going to add softwares into the next android version to facilitate foldable phones and animations and they were basically going to make sure that all the icons and all the app structures when you're moving from a folded display to an unfolded display how will that work and so they showed a few animations and they released a bunch of code which people could eventually add into their smartphones then in ces the weirdest fucking phone came out which was called the royal flex spy 
wait just i'm giving you 10 seconds to just guess the spelling of royal flex pie yeah just 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 guess that <laughs> in your mind uh, yeah and the answer is no that is not how it's named let me just just let me just let me just spell it out for you cuz it's ridiculous r o y o l e so it's not royal it's royal a royal royal yeah flex and then p a i like not p i <laughs> but p a i it's like ajit pai like pai like what yeah and it was really a shitty ass looking phone like i must yeah. say like it was really really bad especially on the fold itself it had like on the back of the fold First of all the inner radius is not going to ever sit flush because they cannot actually fold it because then it would crease because that's one of the biggest reasons why I would never buy a foldable phone today because the screen is made out of plastic and then on the outer radius which is basically the outside of the fold they had this really cheap looking like rubberized i don't know like sort of like a flap cover, a just covering yeah just covering the hinge and mm. it i mean i i guess like i'll still give it to them that you know it's a concept and it's not like you know what it was this mm. was made by a chinese manufacturer just for ces and they said it's coming to the market but they're obviously not doing it and they put mm. it out in ces so that they could get the media attention so mm-hmm. that any f- future phone manufacturer who wants to make a foldable phone will come to this manufacturer that's all royal flex pi was made for uh then right after that i think 4 days later xiaomi unveiled their concept phone uh and it was their ceo showcasing oh my their god their new foldable phone that was also like just like the weirdest origami of like a i don't know they, man i don't want to sit it two and... folds dude what what was that like i don't understand what was going on that and um Yeah, I don't even want to. I can never imagine how. using my phone and then going to a website and being like, "Whoa, wait, let me go full screen." And full then screen. I just start yeah. like unfolding a piece of paper. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. So right after this um, video came out, MKBHD made a video about folding smartphones. I highly recommend you watch that if you're interested in this technology aspect in any way, because he really showcased. all the problems and all the benefits folding phones could take then the biggest news that happened was mobile world congress happened so mobile world congress is this conference that happens in barcelona which is where apart from like the major major players uh which is like google and apple obviously and sometimes samsung. even the Sa- samsung phones uh the rest of the phone manufacturers unveil their phone at mobile world congress So if you're ever into technology this is when you usually are really like hyped up about you know what are the new phones that are coming out I'm just mm. going through very quickly what all happened at that point of time So the biggest story was Samsung unveiling their S10 S10 Plus and the S10e um mm. and also we should mention the Galaxy Fold which was Samsung's version of a foldable phone and I must say the hardware looked nice the new thing about the S10 and the S10 plus was that there was a hole punch in the <laughs> OLED phone yeah then right after that i think a day later in mobile world congress itself huawei unveiled their foldable phone yeah. i'll get to that also in a bit so let me just go through all the names tcl also released their foldable phone hmm um and so these were the three big players who released their foldable phone 
Then there was a bendable phone which turned into a bracelet of some sort called the Nubia Alpha. Oh yeah, oh shit. And so this was all Mobile World Congress and Mobile World Congress what happened in what two weeks back, three weeks back. Yeah. Um and the big discussion was you know how this phone is going to work and all of that. But then I think if you're really into how the technology and the technicality works, the one big thing that changed all of this was Corning who makes Gorilla Glass which is basically the glass of all phones if you ever own a OnePlus or a LG or a Samsung phone or an iPhone or a Pixel phone all of your screens are made out of Gorilla Glass which is made by this company called Corning and Corning has been you know in the glass industry for like centuries now yeah so they released their version of a foldable glass or mostly a bendable glass and there's a gif of it on the verge dude it is just hypnotic to see that <laughs> that glass just bending so close and that was really amazing okay so then the big debate that happened was samsung had a folding phone and huawei had a folding phone the thing is these two phones folded differently samsung's phone is like a book is how i would say it is that yeah a book with a shitty screen on the cover yeah so imagine a book cover with a screen and then you open the book and then you have a much bigger screen inside so technically there are two displays in this right no the, in the in the in the galaxy fold it's not two screens i mean yeah it is two screens because there's one screen on the outside where which ah, okay, then okay, you okay. open up and then you have a larger screen inside right the Huawei phone is if you okay so take the analogy of the book imagine you've opened the book right and then or imagine that's a phone and you have two sides of worth of display now imagine turning the book in on itself so that means the front side and the back side is covered with display as well as that bend and so this became called the folding wars which was which version of a folding phone is a better version of a folding phone you can clearly see the pros and cons of either one of them uh, the huawei one is obviously that there's one screen and you are folding it and samsung obviously needs to have two screens and the bezel looks horrendous but the problem with the huawei one is that there is no way to put your phone down cuz the back side of your phone is also a screen so like it's going to get scratches or how are you going to put this in your pocket and i mean bo- both phones just in terms of concept i would say i would lean more towards the huawei concept yeah yeah me because too because samsung's even though it has that finesse and it's going to be on sale and you know the materials and the build of it they look extremely premium like it looks like it's 1900 dollars and it's like a lot of glass a lot of metal the hinge mm. looks really like beautiful but again first of all that screen on the front looks mm. horrible Hor- <laughs> especially <laughs> especially after samsung has detested the notch and been one of the you know uh, market leaders in pushing you know that okay we're going to get rid of bezels we're not going to do a notch so from that to come to the galaxy fold which has probably the biggest bezels on any phone ever yeah in terms of that front screen and then what i don't understand is that 
when you unfold the galaxy fold why are there cameras there yeah why are, what why the fuck are is there that shit cameras there we don't I'm need so pissed. dude it yeah. looks like a fucking chrome browser man yeah, yeah, when you open yeah. it i got so pissed off with them yeah. i was like why are you adding wait but you just, compa- just just going to say it yeah, yeah. there are six cameras on this fucking phone ridiculous it's so bad okay yeah sorry continue like but i feel like it's very characteristic of samsung to just shove stuff into something like just mm. keep shoving features i mean it's it's a habit that they haven't uh, like very clearly seem to have dropped because it's very characteristic of samsung to you know oh this is our top of the line thing so we're going to cram as many features as we can so there here's five cameras two screens you know it does all of these things two batteries even um mm. and then when i saw the huawei folding phone it seemed nicer yeah it, you don't want to put your phone uh screen down it just seems like sacrilege to me at least if you're putting your phone screen down hmm. but i feel like in terms of design that is something that they can design around in the sense that you know if they just put some rails um on the outside of the screen so that when you put it down the screen is lifted off of the surface hmm. but especially when you fold it and the the bend is on the outside rather than the inside compared to the samsung hmm. the way that the cameras and that small like hinge uh, not even a hinge but like where the camera housing is continues all the way to the bottom so when you do fold the screen the hmm. back of the phone becomes flush with the camera yeah. module and everything and it just seems so satisfying just to see that whole thing conform into one singular shape it just hmm. seemed like a more elegant solution and which is why i emphasized on the the corning mm. gorilla glass and dude this this gif is the most satisfying thing i've ever seen yeah <laughs> cuz um all of these folding phones were made the the display was made out of plastic so that means it's it's really really prone to uh, scratches yeah it's not durable at all but if corning releases a nice gorilla glass which can bend which i think can happen in the huawei phone okay so i need to get a little in depth about this So I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of videos about these two type of phones, right? Which is the Huawei phone and the Samsung Galaxy Fold. One question that kept coming up was how do we name this folding two types of folding phones? Because right? <laughs> you can't keep calling it the Huawei phone and you can't keep yeah. calling it the Samsung phone. Yeah. And as soon as I saw these two videos, I immediately got the answer. and i tweeted at nilay patel and i tweeted at mike hurley and i tweeted at jason snell all of these three are really big pod- podcasters uh, mike hurley runs cortex and upgrade jason snell was also on upgrade and nilay patel obviously is vergecast co- yeah editor of verge and runs vergecast so i tweeted at them i went on illustrator and illustrated it for them so i have a really good theory which i think even mike hurley has been convinced and has talked about in upgrade but by somebody else but whatever so this is how it goes i just want to state it once and for all these are all folding phones right what is the one material that we constantly fold paper it's paper and what is the art of folding paper origami so in origami there are two types of folds it's called a mountain fold and a valley fold because in origami you a lot of times you have a colored side and you have the plain side which is usually white hmm. right okay for for all the listeners picture this right you have a table and you have a colored piece of paper um with the colored side facing upwards right and imagine you just fold in on itself so that is called the valley fold in 
origami turns and if the colored side is facing down and then you fold it which means the colored side is around the paper yeah it's called a mountain fold oh. right so it's called yeah, a mountain fold sense. and a valley fold and a valley fold so in um making it as an analogy for the two types of folding phones the samsung fold will be called a valley fold and the huawei mate x will be called a mountain mm-hmm. fold a mountain fold because if you face mm-hmm. the screen upwards the larger screen upwards and if you just see the crease on you fold it right hmm. it will form either a valley or a mountain yeah yeah basically where the crease is is going to sort of tell you if it's a valley fold or a mountain exactly, fold uh, exactly that's the problem with these folding phones also because they're plastic so it has a crease it has a crease right so this terminology i I've, i've known it for like so long and i've always looked at the folds as a mountain fold and a valley fold and they have a different kind of dotted line when you look at origami instructions hmm. and i was just like I, I, it just clicked and yeah I, it definitely does make sense yeah and it's just way easier to say mountain fold and valley fold as soon as as soon as you understand like why is it called a mountain fold and why is it called a valley fold then like you you can just easily communicate with someone you know hey this is the mountain fold kind of technique or a valley fold mm-hmm, kind of technique mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but yeah. you know what this i feel like it just i just figured this out in my head Don't you remember the Nokia the very very famous Nokia communicator that was like the number one business phone if you're like a CEO and it it in fact now that like I'm thinking about phone? it bro it looks exactly like the Galaxy Fold but it's an old Nokia style phone without touch screens what's it called Nokia Nokia communicator on the outside oh, yeah so yes. i feel like Samsung saw this and they were like oh let's do this <laughs> So on the outside is a very old uh you know 3310 Nokia style uh brick phone and it's a very long phone and the screen is very small it kind of looks disproportionate when you see it uh, face up and then you fold it open and it kind of folds open like a mini laptop and on one side there's a physical keyboard and on the other side there's like a very large screen and mm. i feel like that's exactly what Samsung tried to implement except obviously the whole thing on the inside is a touch screen but just in terms of the form factors they seem so similar now because they're trying to maximize the real estate of the surfaces that this fold is providing them with like they don't mm. want to waste space if they're folding you know yeah, yeah. but um i'm just going to state it that this is my prediction of where this entire technology is going to go in 2 years all the chinese companies would have tried to make these folding phones would have obviously dropped down the price a little bit but would still be ridiculously expensive because either you need a flexible display and you need a hmm. mechanical part and all of that <laughs> i don't think anybody's not many people are going to buy it hmm. um i'm sorry to say even though i am an android fan and all of that i don't think apple is ever going to make a folding phone yeah and because apple is never going to make a folding phone i do not think this <laughs> technology is going to go anywhere further yeah i'm just going to say This is all just hype. We just yeah. wanted to know that okay, this technology does exist, and the one part I'm optimistic about is that because this technology already exists, and there's a lot of companies trying to make this cheaper, there will be different type of flexible displays in other types of technology. 
So I mm. do not mean phones. It could come to maybe laptops and to screens. Yeah, it it will trickle down into other parts of the tech industry. Yes, in, exactly. Places where it makes more sense, definitely. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that is a win-win. Um, you yeah. can clearly see that the whole notch technology is going to slowly come into all external devices as well. You're slowly yeah. starting to see circular displays. You're slowly starting to see these wall displays. Samsung is currently working on a wall display. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Samsung does with this hole punch technology where they yeah. laser cut the I'm, hole I'm out. I'm glad we're finally talking about it because I want to know your honest opinion about what you think about this. Hmm. I feel like Samsung loves fragmentation within their lineup. I have so much hate right now and like my blood is boiling. Okay. But you you tell me what what is your assessment and then I will okay. speak. So before the phone unveiled, I was equally frustrated with one part just as much as you, which was why the flying fuck is the camera cut out on the right side and not at the center <laughs> making it symmetrical. <laughs> right that's the one thing i was just like dude why why yeah. are you making this on the right side the top? so just for, for the listeners if you have not seen the s10 um pictures the um, the camera is on the top right compared to all the other notched phones where the camera is at the center of the screen so hmm. technically this phone is not symmetrical hmm. now i'll tell you why i have a problem with this and when the phone got unveiled i was like i'm still pissed off about it with the same reasons obviously but um it's it's reduced a little bit i'm still pissed yeah. off though i'm still pissed off because they've executed it nicely yeah for me it the hate definitely reduced a lot after i started watching the reviews of you know mkbhd and all the other popular creators hmm. because especially with the smaller variant of the s10 just the S10, hmm. not the Plus, where it, it doesn't have that, you know, pill-shaped uh, hole punch. Oh, man. It's okay, just I'm just going to say that fucking look horrible. <laughs> it just looked horrible. Why? Yeah. The, you know what? The part that pissed me off the most was that, oh, by the way, this is just for the S10 Plus, right? The S10 yeah. has only one camera, but the S10 Plus has two selfie cameras. No, but it's, the S10 doesn't, it doesn't have dual cameras on the front because one of them is just a depth sensor, which you can't even, like, it's not even a... Yeah, that is what pisses me off the most it's not a yeah. fucking second camera it's just for portrait yeah. like oh, and for so you to off. bring the notch into the display and then keep stuff which is not essential like i don't i don't need a depth sensor like fuck yeah, portrait mode shots you can do it in software don't don't eat my screen real estate right yeah. that's my whole problem with it but I still think they should keep it in the center. Yeah, they should keep it in the center. But just in terms of symmetry, because you touched upon this, mm. I don't understand what Samsung has against symmetry. Because if you just, if you guys can just open a picture of the of the S10 or just like in your mind's eye, just picture the S10. The hole punch notch is on the top right and it has a bottom bezel. First of all, there are, there are three different measurements, okay? The two measurements that are the same are the side bezels. So both the side be bezels, which are parallel to each other, are uh, the same thickness. So that's fine. The bottom bezel, where they have to put the display drivers, is however thick it is. But then, now they need to put the earpiece on the top bezel. So that top bezel is a little thicker than the side bezels, but it's thinner than the bottom bezel. So there's one <laughs> inconsistency there. And then... With the fucking hole punch, they have not 
so there's all these all these phones that are trying to maximize screen real estate they curve the corners so there is a curve on the top right of the s10 and then the hole punch notch is not aligned to that curve so there's a weird space there and i'm like why like why would i so in the s10e where the all of the bezels around it are still a little more equal but it's still not fucking equal and it's still that hole punch is still not aligned to that top right curve of the screen itself so i don't know like i like the the way that they've implemented it it looks better than a notch definitely in terms of the fact that you know when you start looking at the phone that being used you kind of forget about it and you know there are all these cool wallpapers that sort of make it like a design element uh mm. you know and they samsung is also kind of embracing it with certain animations when you take a selfie it sort of highlights the outline of the camera which is all super cool stuff like i'm super into it but just these simple things that you know okay if i compare it to the 10r which is the phone that i use what makes it a little more pleasing to look at which is a feat that is only been achieved by apple both in oled and lcd technologies is that they they strive for symmetry wait wait think about it bro why do you think samsung put the hole punch for the camera not at the center to differentiate themselves from apple exactly exactly hmm. i guess i guess maybe in the future apple will do a hole punch but no, no, no. they will forget do it in the even, middle forget that then by the way i don't think that's going to happen these guys are stuck up with face id Yeah, um, we'll come back to that later. But I predict that this this is S10, right? The S10 intentionally put the hole punch on the top right because it's it it's obviously way harder to put it on the top right than in the center, right? They did mm. this just to differentiate themselves than all the notched phones. Because even mm. if you put the camera in the center and made it symmetrical, it would look like a notch. It would look like a notch. Even though it true. had a hole punch, it would look like a notch. They yeah. put it over there. I honestly think they would go back to the center in the S11 once they have showed off that you know they've mm. put it on. Over. Once they've sort of established themselves as the only company that's doing the hole punch. Yeah, but that this is going to be on the top. You know, right. but what's what's funny to me. Hmm. is that there is literally no company that has just been like fuck the front facing camera just fuck it i would buy it bro you need to understand who we are <laughs> we are two assholes who don't take selfies man <laughs> we're like, two dudes <laughs> yeah. this is sexist we wow. don't take selfies bro like there's a bunch of people who take selfies no but uh, since we're on the topic of notches hmm. did you see the new Xperia phones i loved them Yeah exactly and I, I don't know if we have this on record but a couple of months back I called up Kota in like a frantic uh sort of like mood and I was like bro what if they can implement the display drivers into a top notch so in the first me mix that sort of pushed the entire industry into this whole bezel-less trend what they did was that they didn't the, this is the crazy part the first ever phone that aimed to become bezel-less they put the front facing camera in the bottom bezel yeah so whenever you needed to take a selfie what it would do in software is that it would instruct you to turn your phone around so that you know the front facing camera isn't looking up your nose hmm. so what uh, what uh, sony has done is uh, this time with their new line of phones the xperia 10 i think is that they have combined the display drivers which is usually at the bottom which is the bottom sort of 
flat tire notch which is always there on most android phones that are trying to go bezel-less they have combined that with the top uh selfie camera i mean it does look odd because they're uh, sort of pushing this whole 21 by 9 weird aspect ratio and the phone is super tall but mm. what's cool is that it has the one single bezel on the top and it has all the selfie cameras the earpiece fucking everything ambient light sensor everything comfortably in the top and then the rest of the be- the, the right left and bottom bezel are equal and it just looks so visually pleasing and i wish that you know more android phones would just use that design if they can minimize the top bezel enough yeah but anyway yeah. let's see let's see where they go jablinski jablinski okay let's talk about jablinski hey what's up it's me jack black this is my new youtube channel jablinski it's going to be bigger than ninja it's going to be bigger than pewdiepie so what's jablin jables it's So the way that I came across Jiblinski was one day I was just randomly scrolling through my feed and I found this upload from a channel called Jiblinski Games. And so obviously I clicked on it and I see it's Jack Black and it's it literally looks like a video that he himself has recorded. Very minimal, low budget editing and he just basically goes like, hey guys, Jack Black here. This is my new channel, Jiblinski Games. And it's going to be like a gaming channel. And he, you know, uh, is sitting on the PewDiePie chair. And he goes that completely very characteristic with PewDiePie 180. And the Undertale, we'll, we'll add the Undertale uh, song in post. That... The, the the number one meme uh, song that's from this game called Undertale and it became completely viral in the meme circles of the internet. So basically what interested me about Jiblinski games, number one is that it's made by Jack Black who is like an A-list Hollywood actor. And we've seen celebrities come onto the platform again and again. So I think the number one example of someone who I would love to give the example of because it's an epic fail is Will Smith. Because Will Smith has sort of taken the approach of, okay, I'm I'm an A-list Hollywood actor, so I'm not going to do my own editing, I'm not going to do my own production, I can just simply hire someone to do that. As compared to Jack Black, who I think one of his sons, Sammy, is helping him do this YouTube channel and he has a, another friend who, you know, helps him shoot it and stuff. But the main thing that sort of separates Jiblinski from all other uh, like A-list Hollywood celebrity YouTube accounts is that it seems genuine. Like it seems, it, it really seems like Jack Black wants to become a YouTuber, which just seems like the weirdest thing because like, first of all, he made this game called, uh, made this channel called Jiblinski Games, which is supposed to be a gaming channel. And it's been like this running joke where he says, oh, you know, like, no, and he releases videos every Friday. And what he does is that every time he uploads, he say, no gaming this time, guys. I haven't been able to figure out my Delgato. I don't know what the fuck that even is. <laughs> it's basically, I think, a company that makes uh, gaming accessories, Delgato. Mm. I mean, and it's just a very honest channel. And yeah. Jack Black, I feel like, is one of the most 
<laughs> like hubris and amazing funny like actors in all of american movies or like hollywood basically did you have you seen any of it dude i think what jablinski games showed me is there is some personality and some characteristic of youtube creators which makes them popular if you get what i mean hmm. like all of you all must have clearly seen some youtube video which clearly looks like a very commercial type of video you get what i mean which is hmm. there are some of these channels like high budget high production value high budget high production everything is all on point camera crew everything is there but then their attitude towards the camera and how they talk <laughs> is just like hello yeah. welcome to my youtube channel we <laughs> yeah. should do this and then yeah, um yeah. you know and oh wait uh, this is the best i could come up with this is for all indian viewers okay i'm going to put this in the show notes it's hilarious there is a video made by amul on how amul butter is made it is so cringy it is so disgusting it's so bad cuz i mean i was genuinely interested okay you know how how is amul butter made cuz i use amul butter all the time yeah taste of india man but then i watched the video it is so plastic <laughs> they are they they sound so robotic and they sound oh, so no. commercial we use the best technology for this amul butter to make it utterly <laughs> butterly delicious it is the nation's flavor and loved by every indian family amul butter which makes our food tasty and healthy is processed in various state of the art amul factories with utmost care and love so that every day millions of indians can enjoy their food and get a happy smile on their face and i'm like oh, dude no. just make the goddamn video and just <laughs> tell how it's made don't make it a commercial right and i feel like that's a big problem also with will smith hmm. um which is just kind of depressing if you if yeah. you like it be- it starts to become kind of cringy because the whole appeal of youtube and having a connection with the youtube creators that you feel like you're talking to like you feel like you're spending time with the person you're watching especially if it's like a vlogging style channel hmm. and that disconnect is so apparent when you know you see one of these like a list hollywood because they're not normal people you know they're mm. they're already famous they've been in front of the camera they're like full time actors so for mm. them to you know come on to youtube and then try to make like a down to earth just like a chill video is very difficult because it, they're so used to having that kind of production value yeah like yeah. having this certain character on screen because they're actors yeah. right they're supposed they're usually like it's tough for them to not act yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a that's a good example and yeah. this is just my personal preference i never really loved jack black like i i really liked school of rock like just i mean he's he's um, the voice actor of kung fu panda po and kung fu panda i mean I, i know i'm 23 and shit but kung fu panda yeah, it's, it's a cultural icon man yeah like kung fu panda is amazing and i i should credit jack black for that but apart from that jack black was always a celebrity that you knew but you weren't really a fan of but hmm. then jablinski man he he's done <laughs> such a good job yeah. of um no especially because i feel like he is aware of youtube culture hmm. he knows who pewdiepie is he knows yeah. who ninja is he knows you know gaming he knows fortnite i mean even though he hasn't like really uploaded a real gaming video as mm. of yet 
because he just you know does these weird pinball like the history of gaming and he tries to include some gaming aspect into it but i can mm. clearly tell when i watch the videos that he is into gaming like yeah. he does have in his house a consoles and he has a lot of like retro gaming tech yeah 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 which yeah, is sure. so awesome and i feel like most I, i i i don't know i don't consider myself a gamer but mm. i feel like most people who are gamers who are looking for this kind of content are still going to find this interesting even though it doesn't have you know jack black just sitting and playing fortnite which is like mm-hmm. basically like a let's play channel i don't know if he will honestly even do that in the future you know like there have been comments that have said in all of his videos like 300 episodes later guys i was not able to get my delgato in order so no gaming videos this friday and I don't really give a shit, you know. I don't really care if he even doesn't make gaming videos. I just want to see Jack Black make awesome content. Yeah. He really does just sound like a YouTuber. Yeah. If that yeah. just makes any sense. Uh but there there's one more thing which just blew my mind was he released one video. He started this off with one video called Hello Jack Black here, which was hmm. introducing Jablinski games right yeah. to the world. In one week, he got a million subscribers with that <laughs> one video. he got a million subscribers and then his second video was thanks for 1 mil yeah it was just called 1 mil <laughs> which is great and i was like yeah. dude you <laughs> how are you doing this man like one video and just 1 million subscribers yeah no but at that first video that uh, he put up it, that was also like something like a 50 second or like a 1 minute 10 second video Yeah. in which he just you know explains okay i'm jack black i'm going to be making gaming channel i'm coming for you ninja i'm coming for you pewdiepie and it's just so badass and people yeah. kind of like their minds melted they're like holy shit like jack black is on his shit you know he has the pewdiepie chair he's coming for pewdiepie <laughs> like and he could totally become, i don't know pewdiepie is too far away now from any normal youtuber in terms of subscribers yeah but i would also like to say that i think jack black is the only quote unquote celebrity that has been accepted into the youtube community yeah he More has been than, fully accepted yeah yeah because this has been a big battle between youtube creators and the general public and between youtube as well is if any of you all listen to hello internet you know what we're talking about it's youtube trying to become tv that that entire goal is to just become tv which i don't think is the right way for them to go but what what you can mm. clearly see is that all these late night talk show hosts like hmm. um Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, John Oliver, Conan O'Brien, Stephen Colbert, you know, they have realized the power of YouTube. YouTube. They get um, views, man. They hmm? get some serious views. And not just that, I think the algorithm just like kisses them on the forehead every single time they upload a video because you see on the trending page uh not in india but like in us and all that like the yeah. trending page is just these late night talk show hosts and also it just keeps coming up on recommended yeah mm. i can see the appeal of it from youtube's perspective because it's like prime advertising space like yeah. i feel like advertisers would love to advertise on these talk show hosts videos yeah. as opposed to a fucking pewdiepie video or a jack black video in which he's talking about like old pinball machines and shit mm. actually they might but that this is youtube's whole aim of becoming you know more advertiser friendly bringing in like a list celebrities to mm-hmm. make the platform seem like it's a wholesome place where there's you know all kinds of positive content and you can follow the people you love and know from other parts of fame and like 
parts of being famous and stuff so but, but there is also a huge backlash by youtube creators cuz they're like hey man you've come to our space and then just taking over everything that we do which is genuinely terrifying for the people who make you know youtube videos every week and get on money and make a living from it and every time you watch a video of the ellen show or you know what's that other guy man um the graham norton show hmm. you're you're taking away valuable time you could have spent on another youtube creator who is actually a youtube creator and not yeah. anything yeah. apart from youtube and i don't know what you but then the thing is once you click on any one of these talk show hosts your homepage is just flooded with all not only your homepage but then it starts serving you all of this content in your suggested and you're like oh i want to know what this actor said to this person or exactly like, yeah and i feel like it's just tv just coming and creeping into youtube which i don't think a lot of youtube creators and a lot of like youtube fans are happy about you know but i think it does have to do a lot with the tv format like cable hmm. having like a dish becoming obsolete like you know channels i think only in terms of like news and having access to like live content which again is also being replaced by online streaming services no but then you could clearly it see it is how, kind of becoming obsolete yeah but you can clearly see how these tv shows have morphed their entire mm. show to make sure that they can cut these segments into youtube before yeah. it used to be a much longer interview or they used no, to one for take no and i still think that they get more views on online platforms rather than you know on tv because on tv they are slotted into a specific time and unless you have like a tata sky plus or some shit like that you can't even pause it you can't mm-hmm. rewind it it's fucking happening live and once that half an hour is over or that one yeah. hour is over it's over as opposed to youtube where you know if you're trying to watch jimmy fallon or coffee with karan for example you can just i mean for better or for worse binge watch fucking coffee with karan like all nine seasons in like mm. you know these 5 5 minute clips and mm. for someone who's just trying to eat that content they're not going to go and watch tv man they're going to go on to youtube where they can curate their entire watching experience so yeah. just in terms of that like consuming content uh the internet seems like a better way to consume this tv show type stuff especially with like netflix and all of these other streaming yeah. services that are about to come in the very near future and like completely change the whole streaming game i mean that's something that we will touch upon after the apple event happens which has been announced i think yesterday yeah i think you made a good point about that which is um i think the best place for all of these traditional tv platforms and these traditional tv um shows is not to move to youtube if they want to come to the internet the best place for them to be would be netflix and you could clearly see a lot of them actually moving to netflix um yeah. are you uh, talking about comedians in cars getting coffee no the, yeah comedians in cars getting coffee is also amazing uh by yeah. jerry seinfeld no the other guy man fuck bro what's his name my next yeah it's called my next guest needs no introduction by david letterman that's his name oh david letterman yes. yeah so david letterman has moved to netflix um jerry seinfeld has moved to netflix hasan minhaj mm. has moved to netflix no but jerry seinfeld i wouldn't really say was a talk show host i mean he was a tv show yeah pers- like, he was a tv personality 
No, but he's sort of taken this interviewer kind of yeah. format and made yeah. it into this show, comedians in cars getting coffee. And I think even Hasan Minhaj do- is doing a really, yeah. really great job yeah. in Netflix. Patriot like, Act. I really, really like his episodes, and and so I feel like that will be the best place for all these TV talk show hosts to go, eventually. Or you know the streaming wars are going to start. So then CBS and CBS is going to start their own streaming service. Warner Media is going to start their streaming service. Ah oh, man, I just feel like this is the worst way. This is the worst direction for content to head in because now everything is like there for cable. There was this centralized medium, TV, hmm. where you could get access with one singular fee to get access to many. different creators in terms of many different studios that have their own channels hmm. but now each studio has their own platform that has its own monthly fee so you have to now pay like i don't know you'll have to pay like so much money to subscribe to the studios that you like and each hmm. of them is going to have their own streaming service like disney apple will have its own thing netflix is there but a lot of the people who had given their licenses to netflix are now taking them back and are going to put their content on their own streaming services which makes more sense for them mm-hmm. but is bad for the consumer because but i honestly think that this is worse for companies like netflix which i honestly think would rise from the ashes from all of this streaming wars because nobody can stop netflix now yeah. but it is really 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 good for youtube because there are some negative feedback from all of this which is that maybe instead of watching you know youtube videos about mkbhd you are now starting to watch game of thrones on hotstar like there is mm. that which is the amount of time you spend on youtube but i think that keeps a creator community of youtube a lot more original and a lot more fun yeah and that's what separates uh, youtube from other streaming services which is yeah exactly because youtube is one of the only services that is sort of putting the user and the creator in a very close communication exactly i can and see I... the likes i can see the dislikes i can see the comments the mm. youtube creator is addressing comments from previous videos and that's just something that's not going to be possible with you know major streaming platforms like yeah. i mean the max you can do on netflix is either like or dislike something and i think that only reflects on your own recommendations that rather than you know showing as oh this movie has been rated bad by most you uh, by most yeah. netflix voters but yeah. i i do not think these guys are going to go away from youtube anytime soon cuz they are making a lot of money and also i think youtube is making a lot of money because of these guys cause of advertisers but let's see though and uh, i mean By the way, we haven't talked much about Will Smith because he was the biggest punch in the face for all YouTube creators. Was like, hey, Hollywood is coming to YouTube, and they are making <laughs> YouTube videos. And yeah. I think a lot of people did like how personal Will Smith got compared to the previous people, but not enough. But I think Jablinski has set the bar. He set the bar definitely. Yeah, which is great and. I'm kind of liking that, uh, you know, direction. He he understands what's going on, and I feel like a lot of Hollywood celebrities and Bollywood celebrities can look at Jablinski as an example hmm. for them to understand how to make YouTube videos and how to uh, like understand the YouTube audience, which is good. But I would still say for for someone like Jack Black, hmm. the majority of his income is still. Not, I mean, he does. He, I don't think he's doing YouTube for the money. 
he's not the majority of not. his income is obviously coming from like the films that he's doing i mean neither but, is will smith cuz yeah but he, i i feel like with all of these hollywood actors they definitely understand the value of creating this direct communication with your fans yeah and also cultivating like new fans you know yeah. because no one really knew that jack black was into gaming that he's into you know vintage games and stuff and it's just like f- further spreading his sort of personality in mm. into more parts yeah. uh, more interest groups in the world you know and i feel like the best place for celebrities to communicate with their ob- audience is obviously always going to be instagram um yeah. for further information please look at kim kardashian like <laughs> it's that obvious yeah. um but if you want to channel your creativity the best place would be youtube which is why yeah. i think will smith even came there in the first place cuz i mean he had he has a million people on instagram but yeah. if he wanted to make something or make some content apart from hollywood it would be youtube and i think that's the reason why even jack black came there it's not to gain audience but is to just make something that they have more control over let's see though uh yeah let's see where it goes Okay so I have some homework for the listeners cuz I really want to talk about this one channel which both of us have watched all of their videos the channel is called Every Frame a Painting yeah I just just go through the channel they have a lot of viral hits each of them is more than a million views so for, for for people who don't know Every Frame a Painting was the first channel to do these in-depth film exploration explanation kind of videos and they are the ones who set the bar up for amazing amazing videos about film in general and movies and um doing case studies of films there's one about the avengers why you, there is no song that comes to your mind when you think of an avengers video unlike star wars or unlike um james bond or harry potter as soon as i say the word harry potter and if i ask you to think of a song you know exactly what song like we are talking about you can't say the same thing about marvel that's an amazing amazing video there's um there's one about chuck jones which is all of looney tunes and my god i think that's how i got into it there's one about jackie chan and how he's the best at comedy as well as action you should just check out the videos um cuz we we'll really really get in depth in the next episode okay i think that's it for this episode if you like this episode of substation please rate us on itunes um that's the best way for us to gain traction honestly if you really really like this podcast the best way for us to gain traction on all of the podcast players is if you rate us on itunes you can also subscribe to our youtube channel and follow us on instagram our instagram name is at substation podcast If you would like to give us feedback or would like to recommend a YouTube video you can follow us on this app called Anchor you can literally send a recording from the app which we can then get and then can add it into our show you can also leave us a comment on our YouTube channel which is um, substation we will add that in the show notes as well as on Instagram all the links will be in the show notes thanks for listening guys